0: Welcome to the podcast of Living Water Bible Fellowship. We are a church in Alamosa, Colorado, and here you can find our sermons and other occasional teachings. We hope and pray that this podcast encourages you in your walk with Jesus and increases your understanding of God's Word and the Gospel. Through Jesus, Anyone can have new life, can have freedom, and can have ultimate salvation. Stick around to the end of this podcast to learn more about what the gospel is and how to be saved. And now, on to our teaching.
1: Well, uh, Merry Christmas, uh, and I say that with the hope of heaven ahead, is what Jesus did. It was interesting, when we started singing that song, Elizabeth leaned over to me and she said, I, I've planned that song for my funeral. Oh, how am I supposed to sing that now? <laughs> but I did. What a great song and uh, the hope of God. Uh, I saw in the bulletin cover, I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, in, this ho- in his word I do hope. Man, we're hoping for that kingdom of God to come. We're hoping, and hoping for that citizens, our citizenry in heaven, that place we're going to be with him forever. We Come, Lord Jesus. Man, how awesome it will be. How wonderful it will be. Uh, I noticed in the bulletin uh, some things to point out real fast uh, before we open the word. Uh, there is a, there's a women's, uh, at, women at the well event, a Christmas party this Saturday at 10 a.m. Women, please, RSVP. I think Kim is somewhere in here. Up, up there in the balcony if you want to know more about it, check with Kim there, but 10 a.m., please come to that, time for fellowship. And then, you'll notice down at the bottom there, um, just as we kinda head into the, the, the Christmas Eve time, we, it's Christmas Eve this year's on a Sunday, and we didn't really know what to do with that, like schedule-wise, but uh, Christmas, we're gonna have one service, this service, 9 a.m. in the morning, and then two services in the afternoon and Christmas Eve, 2 and 4 p.m., so please start inviting people to that, and. Uh, Call them to the hope of heaven. Call them the hope of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's an opportunity that people are looking for. Please invite them. I saw a, uh, um, this, this news report the other day. Uh, it, it was kind of strange. It said YOLO uh, and economic, I think it was something like economic chaos. The the uh, it was BBC I, and, and was, you only live once. Economic uh, surprise by the ec- the economists are just shocked right now. What's what's going on in in our country and in the world? Chad's trip to uh, uh, Hawaii that's being multiplied everywhere in the United States right now. People are spending like crazy. Those streets of gold, right? That he talked. People are going crazy right now spending. But economists are blown away because everything is so high. Everything's so expensive right now. Uh, the, the cost of living, you know is way up there, but people are spending like there's no tomorrow. And and, and the, the the economist in this article, they're, they're suggesting what's going on here? Like a lot of people after the pandemic, all the government subsidies, we had a lot of savings, many of us, but we're just burning through it like crazy right now. YOLO, you only live once, is kind of the attitude. What's, what's behind that? Well, uh, they, they, they posited, they guessed that maybe because of what's the the world we're in right now, like we don't know if tomorrow's gonna be here or not. We don't know if if tomorrow's gonna be safe or not. We don't know if our our banks are gonna be surviving or not. We don't know, with this election season coming up, if everything's gonna blow up in some kind of a civil war. And so, YOLO, you only live once, so that people are seeking out experiences, they're traveling everywhere, they're buying high-ticket items like crazy. Like, I don't know if tomorrow's gonna be here. I don't know if t- tomorrow's going to come. I should live, therefore, for my hedonism, my pleasure. Live for experiences while we have time. Uh, and it was, wow. That, that mindset is, is all around us right now. How does God want us to live? In good times, in hard times, strong times, in, in troublesome times, how does God want us to live? I think if you've been paying attention to the themes of, of, our, of our songs today, You already know the answer to that. But how does God want you to live in these times? What what does it look like to be a Christian today? Uh, Luke alluded to, like, man, wouldn't it be neat if we were all singing today the worship of God? How should we live no matter what comes, no matter what's here tomorrow? How should we live today? Please open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. We uh, took a few weeks break from this, this uh, study. Uh, thank you for letting me go on a, a vacation myself to see our kids, our grandkids. Uh, it, was, it was really good. Uh, but I, I really debated whether to put this into the new year because so much of what comes after. Basically what comes now in chapter 4 on is, is one big vision that God gives to John with multi-smaller visions in between, but it's one big vision. And what chapter 4 and chapter 5 is so tied to what, what's ahead. I wasn't sure to pop it now or wait till January, but here we are. Central to the book. Central, central to the teaching of the book. So so strong here, this, this vision. Everything that comes is tied to what we see in chapter 4 and 5. So hear the word of the Lord. After this I looked... Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments, with golden crowns in their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder. Before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass, like crystal, and around the throne on each side of the throne are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. First living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature like the face of a man, the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty created. John, the apostle, had a vision. He was on the island of Patmos. He was there in exile. He was sent there because of the testimony of Jesus. He was put into a position of being punished by the Roman government. He had a first vision. In that first vision, he saw the Lord. the, the splendor of that, the wonder of that, the risen Jesus. But the symbols there, the pictures of Jesus, they, they came in scenes, in, in sights that, that portrayed his character, his holiness. And uh, we saw the last seven weeks of, of our study of Revelation, what Jesus wanted John to say to the churches, the seven churches of Revelation. Again and again, the cry, the call was to be faithful. Again and again, the cry, the call was to... Not compromise, not give in, not be worldly, not live for other gods. And that theme of worship comes central to this vision, this second vision. Notice in the text how it's portrayed. A a vision, what's going on here? Caught up in the spirit, a, a consciousness, but a trance like, as it were, consciousness, where his body stays on the island but his mind is taken to heavenly places. After this, he says, I looked. After the first three chapters, after that first vision, we don't know the, the time between the first vision and the second vision, but after this, I looked. And behold, there was a, standing a, a door open in heaven. Now, uh, as is today even, all, heaven's not open to the world. John saw a door open, an invitation to come and get perspective on life, get perspective on reality. Come up here, it says. He hears a voice sounding like a trumpet. That's the Lord Jesus. The trumpets in the Bible are always harbingers. They're they're, uh, signifiers of the end, the coming of the king. So the voice like a trumpet, what, what, a, what a symbol, what a, what a sign. Again, the theme of the book is, I'm coming soon. Be ready, I'm coming soon. Take heart, I'm coming soon. Live for me, not for the beast, not for the dragon, not for the false prophet. He says, come up here, and I'll show you what must take place after this. Notice uh, the, the, the content uh, of the vision. Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Uh, it's not a tour of heaven. We'd like that, wouldn't we? We like cha- we'd like several chapters and even books telling us what heaven's going to be like. Our home, our, our our citizenship in heaven. What's that going to look like? How's it going to play out? Where are we, you know, what, what's our living quarters? Mansions in heaven. <laughs> what, what does that even mean? What does what that? We, 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 there's so much we'd like to see of heaven. Please give us a glimpse. We'd like to see visions, but notice the focus for John. I'm going to show you what's going to take place after this. And so the sovereign on the throne, the Lord God Almighty, Jesus, the, the risen king now, he's saying, I'm going to show you the future. Uh, the book of Revelation from this point on, starting with these throne room scenes is unrolling, unveiling, breaking open the seals so that we can see what is going to happen. Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit, verse 2. Behold, the throne in heaven with one seated on the throne. He who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. Yeah. So fascinating, so, so, so interesting. Like, the vision of God is so compressed. How, how does he describe God here? This, this, this is the only place, as far as I know, in the New Testament, other than Revelation 20, where there's a throne room scene. But the vision of God, how is he described? He's described as semi-precious stones, the color of semi-precious stones. There's no anthropomorphisms here. There's no descriptions of humanity, comparisons here with God and humanity because this God is holy, holy, holy. He's totally separate, totally distinct, totally other than us. And the way that you, you wonder who's giving the visions. It's, it's God, it's, it's Jesus, and he wants, he wants John to see certain things. Why does he pick these colors to be described as? He could have... God is infinite. You know God is so multifaceted, so incredibly other. He could have uh, brought descriptions of himself through John's vision to us in so many other ways, but he wanted to be seen in the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. Now some of you are rock hounds, perhaps, some of, some of you, are, are, you know, know your geology and all these things. As I study this, I really want to know, what, what's Jasper look like? You know, I think there's some people in this room that could give us examples of that from their own collection. But there's different colors of jasper. Oftentimes it's green, it can be brown, it can be blue, it can be yellow. It can be many different colors. In Revelation 21, 11, there's a description of jasper, clear as crystal. Some think that it might be diamonds that's being described, sparkling diamonds. And I like that image. It helps me put some context, like God looks like sparkling diamonds from a human perspective. He's revealing himself in these ways. Uh, the carnelian, it's a fiery redstone, typically. You wonder, in, in the context of modern-day Turkey, where there's seven churches, maybe there was a certain kind of jasper with a certain color, a certain hue. Or maybe the carnelian looked a certain way in that region, but these sparkling, diamond, fiery red. God is somehow shown that way. He wants to be portrayed that way, seen that way. He wants us to use our imagination. There, there, there are no literal descriptions of God in the Bible. Uh, we have different scenes of God, theophanies of God, comings of God, uh, like Exodus 3, right, where the burning bush or the the, uh, the scenes through the Exodus, through the Passover of the pillar of cloud, the, the fire at night moving through. We have Exodus 24, where above the crystal sea there was one that looked like fire in a human form. We have uh, Daniel 7, we have this scene. Notice the focus, God's vision that he gives to John. It's not on God per se. The emphasis in the text is on the throne. Why? What's happening here? Uh, Again, this is one of the only scenes in the New Testament where there's a description of the throne and what's around the throne, what's happening around the throne. Look at what he says. around the throne there was a rainbow in the appearance of an emerald, a third, a third a precious stone, opaque stone that's beautiful and pricely and costly. There's this, there's this emphasis on the throne again and again. In, in the short text of 11 verses, mentions the throne 13 times if I'm counting right. The throne again and again, the throne, the throne, the throne. Look at the throne, remember the throne, see the throne. Why why would this be important for the vision? Again, it's not a tour of heaven. A door opens in in his mind. He's seeing these things. God's taking him to place and he sees a throne with one seated on it. Uh, Why why so much of an emphasis on the throne? Why make such a big deal about the throne? Well, throne, now you might get caught up. uh, Sometimes we get caught up when we're reading Revelation about some of the specifics like a throne, I, I wonder. I uh, wonder what it was made of. Was it made of gold? Was it made of platinum? Right? Uh, in, in Revelation 20, there's a white throne. In Daniel 7, there's a fiery throne portrayed to the prophet. In, in Ezekiel 1, there's a, a, a moving throne that moves on wheels that God sits upon. In Isaiah 6, there's a throne in heaven in a temple all these different scenes of a throne room. But what does a throne signify? What does it mean to them and what does it mean to us? Why is the emphasis on a throne? Uh, the people of the recipients of this book, the first century recipients of this book, you remember what, what they were going through as Christians, a, a small minority in, in places that demanded that they worship other gods. The local officials, the local government, the local jobs, everybody uh, bowed the knee to other gods. Everybody called uh, for everybody that worked in those jobs, everybody in those cities to attribute worth to other spirits and other deities. And then there's the imperial cult, the state religion, the state worship, the imperial cult. Rome demanded that the emperor be worshipped. And if you didn't, if you didn't worship the emperor, if you didn't bow the knee to the emperor, if you didn't acknowledge Caesar as your lord and god, uh, political consequences, persecution, punishment was your lot. Uh, if you didn't worship the local gods, if you didn't bow to their thrones, their authorities, what, what, what is a, a realm? A realm is a place of rule. A king reigns over a realm. What is a throne? It's it's a a signifier, a symbol of authority and rule and power and sovereignty and control. Um, The the Christians of that day, they faced such a dilemma. They faced such a challenge. If I don't worship these gods, if I don't follow the emperor, I'm not going to have a job. I won't be able to feed my kids. If I don't worship the emperor if I don't bow the knee I might go to jail I might lose all my property I might lose everything I have and so it was very tempting to capitulate it was very tempting to compromise it was very tempting to settle for false religion false doctrine false teachers and just give in and follow why not my children are suffering I don't know if I'll be able to feed my children if I don't capitulate. I, I don't know what I'm going to do if I don't go with the world. And so into that context, a vision of a throne, a vision of, and now again, we, we, we wonder about thrones. Like we, we get caught up, maybe you get caught up in like, I wonder how much that throne weighed. I wonder what the dimensions were. I, I wonder, I wonder like where it was placed in the throne room. We're used to thinking those those patterns, but God calls us, I think, in the book of Revelation to to see the symbol for what it is. Is Revelation symbolic or is it literal? Is it figurative or real? My answer is yes. The picture that we're given, signs, pictures, images through the book of Revelation, they're given for us to think about what they represent. No matter what we're going through, no matter what's threatening us, AI is going to ruin the world. The terrorists are coming. The 2024 election cycle, the vision comes and says, there is a throne with one reigning on it. There is somebody in control. There is a king, not a petty king like the emperor, not a short-lived king like, or, or short-lived governor, Or a short lived president, there is a king who reigns, who is sovereign, who is in control, who is coming. Bow the knee to him no matter what. Live for him no matter what. Serve him even if it causes your suffering, even if it leads to death. That's what we've been studying the last seven weeks. Be faithful to him. Worship him. Live for him. Don't compromise. Don't capitulate. Don't give in to the pressures and worship false things. Worship demigods, man-made gods. There's a throne. There's one who reigns. There's one who rules. He's ruled forever and ever. From eternity to eternity, he is God. Sovereign who's in control of all things. And so we're, we're brought to the throne room and we're, we're meant to use our imaginations. We're meant to use our, the, the picture, the scenes. Is there, don't get caught up in the furniture. Getting get caught up in what it portrays. Don't get caught up in things like crystal seas or, or streets of gold. Those are physical things. Look beyond. Look to see what God is saying through those symbols, those pictures. There's absolute... Rule in the universe. And it's like this. Around the throne, there was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. And John, you know, if you've tried to ever explain your dreams, I wonder if it was hard for John to, I wonder what was that like? Was it like this stone, like this stone, or like this stone? It was kind of like an emerald. A rainbow around the throne. A halo, as it were, not a partial... Rainbow that we see, but maybe some of you pilots, maybe you've seen rainbows in the skies that are circular. But it's a rainbow with an emerald hue, an emerald-like rainbow around the throne, a circle around the throne. And notice what else is described here. And notice the geography of the throne room. Around the throne were 24, 24 other thrones, and seated on the, the thrones were twenty-four elders, clothed in white garments, with golden crowns on their head. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder. Isn't that an incredible scene? Uh, there's there's these, these circles, as it were, around the throne. If if you go farther down to verse, uh, the end, the second part of verse six, and around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes, in front and behind. There's an A, B, B, A pattern in there where it starts with the elders and then the living creatures and then then, uh, the the creatures, their their song, and then the elder songs. Um, There's a certain reason for that, but around the throne, there's this circle of a rainbow and around the throne, there's a circle of the four living creatures and around the the, the, the throne, there's a circle of 24 elders and around the throne, it's not, I don't have it on the overhead, but if you look at verse 11 of chapter 5, then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and myriads of thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven on earth and under the earth and the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Do you see it? Uh, around the throne, there's this, this rainbow, this crystal sea. Something is the appearance of crystal, the appearance of glass. Everything is an appearance. It's like this. He's trying to describe the vision that he sees. He saw this rainbow and this, this crystal glass uh, enthronement. The, the throne is on there. But then there are four living creatures and the 24 elders and then millions and millions of angels around the throne above and below around the throne. And every creature, like the choir just keeps growing and growing and growing in the vision that he's given. Do you see yourself around the throne? What are we doing here today if we're not gathering around the throne? What a picture, what a vision. The throne is at the center of all things. There's the throne, there's God, and there's everything else. You and I, sometimes we, we fall in the trap of thinking that the world revolves around me. Sometimes we, in our busyness or in our day or our, the things we're pursuing, the, the, the businesses we're pursuing, the, the prosperity we're pursuing, the houses we're building, the things that we're pouring our lives into, sometimes we think that my life is so important that I'm central to everything and I need to add God to my life or add his blessing to my life or call on him to help me in everything I'm doing. But when you think that way, we're totally mistaken about the reality of the world. God is at the center. Is God at the center of your life? God in the vision that he gives us. <laughs> the glorious heavenly beings are bowing to him. The glorious angels, the myriad of angels in all their different genres, all their different species of angels are gathered around the throne and they're worshiping. And we and our in our pride or in our foolishness or our insanity sometimes think that everything revolves around us that we are at the center why isn't God taking care of me why isn't God watching out for me why isn't God letting me win the lottery why isn't God helping the Broncos win the Super Bowl again (laughs) he's at the center do you see the vision do you see your place in the world, and do you see what that means for the purpose of your life? The uh, the heavenly court, as it were. We do have an interest in what's there. in in verse uh, In verse three, or I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter. Chapter four, verse verse four. Around the throne, there were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders. (laughs) Now, don't get caught up in the furniture again. I I wonder how big that throne was compared to the throne. Uh, The crowns they're wearing, golden crowns, like in in chapters 1 through 3, I think in Pergamum or Thyatira, we saw the the wreaths, the the victor's crown, as it were, that were the Greek wreaths, but these are the golden crowns. I I wonder if there's 18-karat gold or 24-karat gold. That's not the point. Here's here's rulers. Here's people that have a have authority. And what are they doing? They're worshiping. They are centered on God. Their their visions towards God. They're not looking here. Come on, God, let's do what I want to do. Come on, God, make my dreams come through. Come on, God, make me prosperity prosperity person. Come on, God. They're looking at God. What do you want, God? Who are, who are, wh- wh- what's your plan, God? Uh, their, their focus, their exaltation, their magnification is on the Lord. Uh, we, we have questions, of course. Throughout church history, there's been wrestlings with, who are these elders? Maybe you have that curiosity, and I don't blame you. I have that curiosity, too. Throughout church history, there's been two, two ideas here. These are, uh, these are human beings or they're heavenly beings, another genre of angels, another species of angels, as it were. And there's good arguments on both sides. Um, But notice it's a secondary issue. If God wanted us to know if they're angels or humans, he would have told John, and John would have made it known to us. Man, I, I read through this book so many times in the last six months. My preference is to think they're angels or they're heavenly beings. But I might be wrong about that. They might be people. They might be, as it were, uh, 20, in 1 in in Chronicles, uh, there's 24 Levitical um, priesthood kind of divisions. Some think, some think it's, it's that, there's, you know, the 24 thrones. Some people think that maybe it's resurrected or, or raptured saints that are in heaven right now, um, 24, maybe 24 elders that died, or, or array, you know, the, the vision is of a rapture that's coming that are going to reign in, in, in heaven with Christ. Some think it's 12 Old Testament patriarchs with 12 apostles they are going to be there. <laughs> Whoever they are, they're worshiping the Lord. Whoever they are, they're serving the Lord. Whoever they are, they have authority and power to glorify God is God at the center of your life? Are you serving the Lord? Are are you living for Him, or have you been caught up in the world that that tells you it's all about you? Are you wasting your life on material things? Are you wasting your life on experiences? Are you wasting your life on uh, what the world says is important, the new whatever this Christmas? Are you living for that? If you're living for that, it's called an idol. If you're living for that, it's called an idol, a false god. The vision of John to the church, the vision of John to the world, is there is a true God who reigns on the throne, the center of the universe. Worship him and him alone. And that's, that's what they, they're doing here. Notice, uh, well, let me get to the four living creatures. These are fascinating as well. The description, the, the second part of verse 6, there are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. <laughs> First living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, third living creature like the face of a man, fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. Uh, we wonder here, is this an allusion to the Old Testament? Uh, in Isaiah chapter 6, remember the seraphim uh, around the throne, six wings cover their eyes, cover their feet, and the, the third set of wings, they flew the seraphim, are these seraphim? Or are they re, uh, related to the seraphim? In Ezekiel chapter 1, remember the cherubim around the throne, four wings, but they had eyes all over their bodies and their wings, under their wings, everywhere. They serve the Lord God Almighty too. Uh, cherubim, seraphim, is this like a third species? <laughs> a hybrid? I don't know. In Ezekiel, they had four faces of, a, of an ox, and a, a lion, an ox, a man, and an eagle. What's happening here? We see these four creatures, and some think, maybe these are the highest symbols of created beings. The, the noblest animal, the lion. The strongest animal, an ox, you know, just from, from the ancient perspective of things. The wisest animal, a man. Uh, the swiftest animal, an eagle. Maybe they stand for this or they stand for that. We don't know. The, the, the text, we get caught up in some of the symbols and the details. And again, it's, it's one of these things like, no, look for what it means. Uh, for instance, next week we're going to get in Revelation chapter 5 and we see there a lion and a bloody lamb. The lamb has seven horns and the lamb has seven eyes. Are we meant to take that literally? Or is it meant to be pointing towards what is behind there, the reality of Jesus? Is Jesus walking around heaven today, flipping back and forth between a lion state and a bloody lamb state? Is Jesus walking around heaven today with seven eyes and seven horns? Or does it mean that we have a perfect sacrifice? We have a perfect God, a perfect one in power, a perfect one in knowledge and wisdom and authority. See what's being taught in symbols and signs and pictures and worship. Who's there? Uh, the 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 living creatures. Man, we get caught up in that. And do you do you, do you understand that Christians have even fought over this kind of thing? Well, I think the the four living creatures are ba ba ba. I think the four living creatures are ba ba ba. <laughs> if we were meant to know it, God would have told us. But see the point. Look at the function of the 24 elders. Look at the function of the four living creatures. They're worship leaders. They're leading the worship of the king in heaven. They're leading the worship of the world in exalting the Lord God Almighty. The very way they play it out in verse 8 The four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they never cease to say. The worship goes on and on and on. Notice how they describe his attributes. Holy, holy, holy. What is holiness? Holiness means separateness, distinctiveness, other than you, other than me, other than what's common. And God is holy, exceedingly holy. So far above the earth, transcendent, in his identity, in his glory. Holy, holy is who? The Lord God Almighty. In other words, his omnipotence. The one who is separate and not tied to sin, not tied to tainted by the world, not capricious, not fallen like us or mistaken like us in various ways. He's holy, 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 but he's omnipotent. He's the Lord God omnipotent reigneth over the earth, reigneth over the heavens and he is the one who is, the one who was, the one who is still to come. Revelation is calling us to say, to proclaim that Jesus is coming back. The Lord God Almighty is coming again. Coming to reign. And that's, that's the incredible part about the picture of the throne. Why lightning? Why peals of thunder? Uh, this this summer Chad and Jody and I went on a hike and we got caught up at Rubid Lake in a thunderstorm. Remember that? And if you've ever been where the where the the, the the storm comes and you get caught where you can your hair starts standing up on end and, and, and you, you hear you see the flash of light and then <laughs> terrifying. Terrifying moments. I could die here. The vision of the throne is lightning coming from the throne. What happens in chapter 6? What happens in chapter 7 through the rest of the book? God's judgment comes. There's nothing more terrifying than lightning and thunder when it's right there. God's judgment is coming from the throne. He's the ruler of all. He's the authority of all. So it's a foreshadowing. And so it's a call. It's a call, as it were, for you to get right with God. He's coming. Are you ready to meet the king? Are you ready to bow the knee fully to him? Live for him. But the living creatures, they they declare who he is, and it's kind of an antiphonal call and response, as it were. Whenever the living creatures give give what to God? (laughs) Glory and honor and thanks. What is worship? Worship is our response from our perspective. It's our response to who he is and what he's done worship is, is our ongoing living response, not just on Sunday mornings. And, and I wonder on Sunday mornings if people know what they're doing in church. Sunday mornings, this gathering here, it's not like you're the audience. It's not like you're here to be entertained. It's not like you're here to, to receive. You're the worshipers. You're the, you're the ones who are exalting God. You're gathered in his name to give him glory, to sing songs about him, for him, to him. You're, you're proclaiming to the world. You're, Proclaiming to the heavenly host is watching that He is glorious in your song and your prayers and your offering. Even listening to a sermon is an act of worship. But they, the the worship is the response that we have to who He is and what He does. And so, around the throne, man, what do they give God? They give Him glory. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Right? The, the, that a, a man's conception, but it's true. What are they doing? They're giving him glory. They're giving him honor. They're giving him thanks. Man, is it worship? Is it part of your life? Is it who you, is it how you're living? Is it what you're doing day by day and you're going to work life and you're raising kids life? In your vacation life? It Should be. That's what heaven does. What happens in heaven should happen on earth. Giving glory and honor and thanks to God. But whenever they give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders, they fall down before him who is seated on the throne. They worship him who lives forever and ever. Worship is not just songs, of course. It's deeds as well. It's thoughts, it's actions, it's attitudes, it's love, it's serving others. It's a thousand different ways to Glorify and exalt God. But the elders, they sing out. The, the, the four living creatures, they sing out in glory, thanks, and honor to God. And the, the 24 elders, they bow down. They cast their crowns. You've given us everything. You've given us what we have. You've given us our place, our position. You've given us life. And so we gladly turn it back to you. We gladly exalt you. We exa- ex- gladly say you're worthy of our worship. You're the one who is worthy of all things. The the four living creatures, they focus on God's attributes, but the elders, they come and they give God the glory directly. Worthy are you, verse 11, our Lord and God, strangely and awkwardly. That's how Domitian, the emperor, who reigned from uh, AD 81 through 96, that's how he talked about himself. When he'd enter uh, like a, a procession into a town, the chant was, worthy are you. In Domitian, uh, as the, the imperial cult grew in power, he called people to call, call him our Lord and God. And so God in heaven gives a message to the people in first century Turkey. He says, who am I? Who are you? <laughs> Refer to me as worthy are you, our Lord and God. The Caesar is small. The Caesar is nothing. The emperor who th- who's threatening your very life who's threatening to take away everything you have if you don't worship him. Don't, because he's nothing. 24 elders realize that. They say, worthy are you, our Lord and God. To receive what? To receive glory. Heavenly beings or people that have been raptured or placed in the heavenly realms, their purpose is to bring glory to God. I give you glory. I give you honor. I give you praise. The strange one there is power to receive glory and honor and power. What does that mean? Well, the next verse tells us, you created all things. And so we acknowledge you're all powerful. We acknowledge that you're the one who can do all things. Worship is acknowledging who God is, ascribing to him the worth that he's so worthy of. Imagine giving idols our attention. Imagine how how foolish it is from the perspective of heaven to pour ourselves into man-made things, to pour ourselves into false gods, to pour ourselves into worshiping things like people or men or women. When there's the throne and there's one who's seated on it, who lives for eternity to eternity, who reigns forever, he's the one who's the object of our worship. He's the one who deserves our worship and him alone. The elders teach us this, and the angels teach us this. You created all things, and they exist. They came from your will. You willed it up before everything, anything was, and it happened because you determined it, and you created all things. Brothers and sisters, there's focus in this vision that carries into next week as we look at chapter five. It gets more focused and it gets, the crescendo rises in the worship of God. But notice what's happening here, the way it's been set up. The circles around the throne grow wider and wider and wider. You might be centered on something else today. Maybe there's a person that you're centered on you're living for that person. You might be centered on uh, your prosperity. You might be centered on finding your pleasure, material pleasures, material things, or the gods that the world says you need to have. Revelation puts it in stark terms. There's the, the, the Lord God and his Christ, or there's the dragon and the beast, the beast being the world. The Antichrist leading the beast, the world system. What are you going to worship? What are you going to live for? It's stark contrast. The vision says God's at the center. You should make him the center of your life too. You should live for him. But, but the function of the, of, of the creatures, the function of the angels, the function of all of creation is to worship the Lord God Almighty. That's your calling in your life too. To worship the Lord God Almighty, to give Him the praise, to give Him the honor, to exalt Him in everything you do. Whether you're pounding nails, whether you're at a bank, whether you're a nurse, whether you're a teacher, whether you're changing diapers at home, whether you're making cakes, whether you're putting fences together, whether you're laying floor, whether you're running cattle whether you're cutting trees, whether you're financing, whether you're a water district supervisor, whatever the case may be, you're called to use what you are and who you are to worship the Lord God Almighty, to live for Him. And it can be done with your thoughts, with your attitude, with your loving actions towards others. It can be done with your offering. It can be done with your evangelism. It can be done with your kind words. It can be done by giving your life. But it's all about Him. Why are so many people depressed today? Why are so many people anxious? There's there's things like today quarter life crises, used to be a midlife crisis, now people 25 year old, 25 years old are like, I don't know if my life is worthy. I don't know if I'm doing my life right. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know if I'm coming or going. I don't know what it's about. It's about the Lord God Almighty. He made you. He made you. He called you into existence. He called you to be His. He's called you to worship. How should you live your life? What's your life about? What does God call you to live for? There is a throne and you're called to bow to it. There is a throne and you're called to center upon it. There is a Lord God Almighty who you're called to live for in everything you do. In all that you are. Worship the Lord God Almighty is the purpose of your life. To glorify Him, to honor Him, to exalt Him is everything. If you're out there seeking your own glory, if you're on the throne right now, if you are far from God, if you're not living for Him, if the last thing you thought about this week was His honor and His glory, repent and come back to the center. Give your life again to the Lord and live for him in all things. He is worthy. Brothers and sisters, please stand in the Lord's presence. But God Almighty, we... Uh, we're so caught up sometimes in what the world says we should be and what this world says we should do, our careers, our, our, our future, our, our retirement, our dreams, our ambitions, our, our, our loves, the things that, uh, that just don't last, the things that are small in, in heaven's sight, the things that are so insignificant in the big picture of things. Lord, get it, let us be caught up in this vision of what's real Let's be caught up in this vision of what's true. Let's be caught up in this vision of what's holy, holy, holy. And let us worship. Lord, thank you for gathering us together in your place with you today. Lord, we ask for the grace to worship the rest of this day. We ask for the grace and the power and the understanding of to be able to worship tomorrow and the next day and the next. And we know that when we worship, it changes us. Be magnified, Lord, as we seek first the kingdom. Be magnified, Lord, as we seek first your glory. And may we be changed. and May we be graced again as we live for you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. (music)
0: Thank you so much for listening. The gospel, according to the Bible, is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.